You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast to discuss how faith and tradition should inspire but not limit us. Yeah, we talk about stand-up comedy, surfing, religion, family issues, Doritos, hemorrhoids, the bears, and absolutely nothing at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You'll Never Believe This, a podcast with Ralph Supper. Do you supper or super? I always forget. Man, this is not a great way to start. <laughs> but you're super, so it always confuses me. I never know what you And Chaim Leiter, uh, I'm an Orthodox rabbi. This is a uh, Lutheran pastor. We get together. We talk about whatever. We're happy that you're here. Um, Ralph, what's going on with you, man? Not much. Today is Ash Wednesday, so I got a busy day at church. We're doing a drive-through ashing. My suggestion was to use a fireplace flue from six feet away and just poof. That was spit good. Spit some ashes in people's faces. But my that, partner didn't have that, so we're gonna do um, we have these ashes in little baggies that we hand out. And Ash Wednesday for you and for those who don't know, it's a Christian ha- observance. Uh, helping us remind us that you know we're go- we're all gonna die and return to ash and dust. And so basically life is short, live every moment to its best is what I like no, to say. I always knew what it was. It was the time of the year where I said, you got something right here. And then, oh, yeah. darn it. I shouldn't have said yeah, that. Yeah, you're like calling out strangers at grocery stores. <laughs> anyway, that's today. That's today for me. But um, how are you? What are you up to? Oh my gosh. We got a lot of news here. You ready for all the news in our family? No. Well, you better be because it's coming your way. First thing, first things first, we have officially book the date. We are moving on Tuesday. That's right, people. This move has been coming for a year and a half and my family could not be more excited. It could have been earlier, but it got a little bit delayed because after, hold on, I'm doing the math, six years, we have our first snow in Jerusalem. Uh It's snowing as we speak. Six years, my kids have been like the ones who knew snow, they're freaking out. And the one who didn't was like, this is snow. And he's like running around that they ran out. Like as soon as it started flaking outside, they ran outside. Because you didn't do what you're supposed to do in order to, to, um, to, to, to make sure that there would be no snow. The only way to guarantee that? that the only way to guarantee that there won't be snow is to buy a snowblower. Cause once you buy a <laughs> snowblower, it'll never snow again. That's it. That is totally, it's like getting a new surfboard. Anytime you get a new surfboard, there will not be Bush. waves for like a year. That happened You'll never to get to use it. I bought my, my shorty, my 6'4 fish, and, um, and then it was just, just big, slow waves that wouldn't help me at all. I just sunk straight down to the bottom. Uh, it's the worst. It's just, a, it's like a guarantee. It's like almost what the, what is that called? The mechanic syndrome, whenever you bring your car in, right? And it stops doing whatever it was doing. Oh yeah, it'll never, never recreate that problem. It's like the same thing. It's a totally the same thing. Um, so what's on the what's on the docket for today? What are we doing? Today is the question jar show when Jamie and I are going to pull questions, questions out of a jar that listeners have proposed for us to answer and try and dig into the deeper meaning, value, belief behind the question. So hopefully they're not shallow questions they're more meaningful and hopefully as you're listening you're listening to the answers and making your own answers of each question so i'll start and ask jamie a question right off the bat if you got jumped this is a question from a listener if you got jumped by two bigger guys than you and you couldn't run away what would you do oh my god 
most likely I would probably like double over on the ground and just start crying. I think, I, I don't know what, I, or like maybe that windmill technique where you start, you know, just like throwing your arms around like windmills and, you know, oh, yeah. try and be as crazy as you can possibly one. be to scare them off. Well, well, oh, That's God. a good one. So your, so your front line of defense would be to act insane and hope that they don't think it's contagious. This is true. Did you ever see, uh, are you, were you a fan of the state? Yeah, of course. Watch the state. So you remember there was uh, the self defense techniques to make yourself crazier than the people uh, yep. who were coming yeah, up. To, I remember that was it was one of the greatest ones. Like you know, run around like an ape, and then they'll never want to steal anything from you because you're that crazy. That was a great sketch. That was the sketch that inspired my arm chucks stand up. Do you remember the arm chucks when I'd flail my arms around like they were nunchucks? Who could forget your arm chucks? That's a great. That, that's, that's a great self defense <laughs> technique right there. You can also pretend you're rabid. You know quickly like put something in your mouth and start foaming and go crazy. And then they think, Oh, oh geez, I don't want to get that, rabies. No, that's always, that is a good one. And you could always do the Bette Midler technique where you, you have like, you know, some earphones and you're you know singing Bette Midler at the top of your lung. Nobody comes after you when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's a good idea. A good what would you do? Like, so seriously, if you were, if it was coming at you, what, what would you do? Run the uh, other to way? To be honest, I think, no, I'm, I, the, in the question, it stipulates you can't run away. Oh, right. That's right. I forgot about that stipulation. To be honest, I think I would, I would protect my core, but I would also try and hurt one of them beyond a measurably doubt in a, in a deep and vicious way. I would bite until like a chunk of skin came. I would just go for something. I would go Oof. for the, I would, I would grab and twist the nuts. I would bite a chunk of skin. I would gouge the eyes. I just want to get one in. Like if, like if I just, I'd fully succumb to the fact that I'm going to get the crap beat out of me, but I'm going to take one. I'm going to take one and it's going to be a good one. Right. And then, I mean, and then the cops come and they say, can you describe these guys? I would say, I can't describe what they look like, but I can tell you they have a bite mark, the size, exact size of my mouth taken out of their arm. Or their testicles have been twisted around seven times, right? So then when they go and they find suspects, they can at least determine, okay, you're not them because there's no chunk of flesh taken out of your arm um, and your testicles are hanging in a, in a solid form. Ooh, that's definitely some visuals. I got some visuals there. Did you? Are you a Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan? No. There, there was a... Uh, the, I'll, I'll try and if I can put it in the show notes, cause you know, we always try to put it in the show notes. I'll try and link this one, but there was a great uh, opener where there was a woman um, who was with, what's his name, Jake, but like, what's his real name? Andy Sandberg, right? And they're looking at a lineup and, and the, the woman says, um, I didn't get a real good look at him, but he was singing uh, like a, I forget if it was oh, a Backstreet Boys song. It was Backstreet Boys, oh, yeah. It was a Backstreet, and they had the my one, the, was, the, and they all sing it. It was, it was that was that was just so good. Anyway, that was one thing that I was thought of at that moment. The other thing is I remember there are stories about surfers when they were like, you know, scrawny little tykes, because we all have, I don't know, surfers, right? They, they, they can, when they get older, have like a, a build up top, but down below, it, it's literally just chicken legs down there. Nothing's going on. And uh, there, there are stories of people who would win the fight because they would smack someone across the face like a full-on open palm slap that would just startle the 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 person that, you know opposite them so badly that they would be so embarrassed that they would just that would be it the fight would be over and I, I, maybe a slap technique would come in handy in this one too I'm not, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wonder what it says. I mean, both of us did, neither of us said we would fight back for all of our lives. You know what I mean? We would, we would uh, give them, I like mine was just, I would, I would take a good 
like scrappy chunk, but not fight back. And you're, you're yeah. supposed to yeah. either act crazy or curl in a ball. I, what, yeah. I, I wonder what it says about like, I mean, there is some, some self, uh, self-understanding that we're not, neither of us, it seems, are, are fighters in general who, who have a confidence in our physical prowess or even, I feel like if I hit someone in the face with all my might and put my body weight behind it, I mean, it would do nothing more than make their head turn and then... or, or and maybe break your hand. Probably both at the same time. When I, mean, I was I feel in, that... like I wouldn't even go for a punch. Like if I was, if someone actually confronted me in the fight, I would, I would kick first. To be honest, because my legs are so long. Like mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think we both lead off with a sense of like, okay, we're not going to win this thing, and we're going to. I mean, my instinct. If this person didn't say you couldn't run away, my instinct would be to run like hell no for sure for sure oh yeah totally i mean when i was i'll tell you i have been in my life i think i've been in one fight i cannot remember another one and it was one of these things where uh it was middle school i was being like constantly tormented by like the the scrawniest kid in like the tough guy crowd right and so he every day would like start messing with me because i guess he wanted a little bit more uh clout in the in the tough guy crew and finally, this one day I kept saying to him, I was like, yo, you better back off. You're going to be sorry. And he kept going, yeah, what's in it? I think he was like kneeing me in the back. And I turned around. I had gloves on. It was in the middle of the winter. And I was wearing my, my Stay Puff Marshmallow Man winter jacket that my mother bought me down, down. You got to love down. And I turned around and I hauled a good one off on him and I socked him really hard in the nose. And he... He, I remember looking at him and he had like a, like a little bit of blood coming down the nose. And I was like, oh my God, look at that. Look at what I did. And then I hear like all the other big tough guys go, yo, he just hit him. Go get him. And I turned around, ran as fast as I could. The, the guy got to me. He jumped on my back and was trying to punch me in the stomach from the back. And the, sta- and the, the, marshmallow, the marshmallow man jacket saved me. I didn't get a, he didn't hurt me at all. And then the, the, the teacher's aide come right. She goes, what are you doing? She pulls him off. And I said, ah, and I'm bawling my eyes out. He got sent to the office. Nothing happened to me. I got off scot-free. It was the best way to go. It's genius. I love that he's <laughs> reaching around you, trying to punch you in the stomach. He there was nothing so planned many, there. So many vital organs and side shots that he could take, but yet yeah, the stomach was his primary target. <laughs> from from above the shoulder. That's like not the way, it's not the way to go. If I could give him any advice on how to hurt me. What is it? The other thing I, I'm curious about with, with fights is what, what is it that's so, uh, it's like gravitational pull of a fight. Like it's, you know, even now, yesterday I was in Home Depot and this guy was yelling at the, um, at one of the staff members. And I, I, I faked that I was looking at some items nearby. I was like, Oh, I'm really interested in this ficus plant. And I would like stare at the ficus plant and look through the plant. Like I was hiding in a jungle, just, just, just a fly on the wall watching this fight. And I had this like irrational fear that if I got too close, he would turn and start yelling at me for some reason. What are you looking at? Like it's contagious. (laughs) Everybody's going down. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. You know what I mean? I couldn't walk away. Same thing. Like I think it's rooted in like middle school, high school when there's a fight, you know, someone yells and it echoes, it reverberates through the entire, you know, 4,000 member student body in my high school and everyone comes charging just to get an eye on it. And people just want to witness it. It's just a weird thing that, you know, person hitting another person in some way is something that we're like 
excited to watch or be a part no, of. No, for sure. I don't it, get it, but it's it's like the it's like the rubbernecking in the car when there's an accident, right? You got you got to look and see what's going on. That's like first and foremost. Yeah. What? What? Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. I'll tell you though. When I was when when we were driving in my in the family car when we were younger, there was a really bad car accident. We were in like an hour an hour and a half of traffic. And my mother pulled one of the greatest moments where we, as right as we got up to the, to the accident, like none of us were paying any attention. We didn't even probably know we were in traffic because how old were we? And my mother goes, no one look out of the right side of the car now. And like, (laughs) what do you think happened? Every one of us are like, huh? And I can remember the bleeding head that I saw of this woman that I was like, what was that? And I was (laughs) My mother was like, I told you not to look out there. I was like, I had my finger in my nose. I was looking down at my feet and you said, don't look out there. I'm looking out there. I got to see what's going on. Um, <laughs> so Here's, good. I have, I have one theory why, but it's probably a small bit and a bigger reason. I think that in our day-to-day life, we have kind of a, a baseline level of experiences, right? Things that are considered normal. And then, you know, we have these blips when, you know, a baby's born or uh, there's a marriage or someone graduates or something amazing happens. And on the other end, the low moments kind of go dip down to, you know, death, loss, disease, Mm -hmm. um, all the good stuff, job loss, you know, breakups, that kind of stuff. I think those are like the the, the ups and downs if we have like a chart going here. Mm -hmm. And I think we're so yearning to be connected to those moments but not impacted by them that stay like we're like ooh and and we're sort of like half living them half not living them you know it's like that that you like you watch tv shows that kind of and make you empathize and feel the part of the character and but you don't want to live those experiences ever in your life no for sure same thing yeah. i think like you look at a car accident and someone bleeding and you're sort of like i would never want to do that but that is an experience of like that's that's the, the the lowest moment of that perp- person's life probably, and you're like, oh man, I, there's some like pull towards that. I think that's as a pastor, you know, that's why I only watch crap TV because there you I, go. Uh, documentaries aren't for me because I already experienced the highs and lows with people. And like, if someone calls and says I'm dying, I run to it and show up. If mm-hmm. someone calls and says I'm getting married or having a baby, I go to it and I'm a, I'm a mm-hmm. deep, intimate part of it. So when I get home, I just want to check out and watch, you know, The Bachelor and have no sense <laughs> of like, it's all no, just totally. kind of ri- ridiculous, asinine, made up scenarios. All right. So in that regard, I've got the question. You ready for the question? Yeah. Are you a Friends or a Seinfeld person? Seinfeld. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't know. I, I don't understand. I mean, like Friends was fun. I thought it was a fun show. But I mean, come on, Seinfeld was so much more complex and I don't know, but there, it's like the most complex nothing you could ever run to, run into, I guess, right? It's not like, I don't know quite how to put it into words, but Seinfeld was definitely the way. I mean, did you watch Friends? Did you even like watch it? I guess. I mean, I, I wasn't not as not as adamantly as other shows. Um, you know, everybody's watched it for a while. It You know, it was it was fun and interesting. I think the appeal of Friends was the relationships and lifestyles there was you know i think seinfeld had the situational comedy that people could really connect with and like Mm -hmm. you know find a find a humorous understanding of something something that's seemingly monotonous you know what i mean like they called the show about nothing but it was really about everything all of us experience all the time right you know and it just made it 
humorous, like these silly things we do all the time that we just take for granted or, you know, do out of habit. And, you know, Seinfeld was able to make it comical and ask ridiculous questions. I think that was the beauty of Seinfeld. It's also the writing was really good. I felt that like the way that they start, I mean, it was probably towards the later part of it, but the way they structured each episode that, that the things in the beginning really connected like a puzzle. And by the end you went like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they brought all that together. Like it was so good. Yeah. I think you, I mean, you also get away from um, that kind of sense of reality because there was no character development. Right. Over right. the whatever many seasons there were, you could have watched the last season episode from the last season and then an episode from the first season. And you go, George hasn't grown at all. No. He hasn't no. learned a thing. He hasn't developed. He hasn't overcome his obstacles. He's still making the same stupid mistakes. He hasn't evolved and matured in any way. Same thing with Kramer and Seinfeld. The and Elaine, sure. they, they all were the same folks. And so, you know, in most shows, you're kind of witnessing this character development that you right. want to you know, you want to be a part of and get over the, the conflict where inside Valdo was just like, yep, just another sense of ridiculousness. Totally. Totally. All right. What else? Do we get any other questions from the, uh, from the, the viewers out there? <laughs> the viewers. Yeah. So here's a good one. So what do you do that's excruciatingly difficult, but is worth it? And you know, you have to do it. Oh, wow. I mean, I might get a lot of flack for this, but first thing that comes to mind, prayer. <laughs> I got to be honest. Why I love to pray. I, it, it For us, the prayer experience is so um, codified that you're basically saying the same things almost every day. And I think there was a time in my life when, when I didn't have a clue what the words were saying because my Hebrew was at a level that I just, you know, I could read and call the words, but I couldn't really follow what I was saying as I was saying it. It was sort of like the ignorance is bliss kind of a thing. Like I could let my mind wander anywhere I wanted to and sort of focus on it. It was almost like, you know, meditation-esque. And then, but now where I sort of know uh, more that more about what the prayers say and can follow what they're saying. Sometimes it really feels like, oh my gosh, have I not said this like three times yesterday, three times a day before, and I'm still saying it now? It can it can be a little bit, uh, it can be tough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Mine was uh, exercising in some way. I mean, it's it's funny, and I've just sort of in the past couple of years moved towards exercise as a discipline because I think as a kid. And in college and even, you know, years before I had kids, um, it was just like a natural part of what I did. And I didn't realize just how incredibly valuable it was. And then, you know, I had other priorities, children and work and um, that, you know, taking care of my, my body and, and mind uh, through mm -hmm. exercise wasn't high on the priority list. So I never made a point of it. And I've always been fit. Uh, even now, I mean, I'm pretty slim. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, the view, the viewers can even hear it. Just how that's right. How spelled <laughs> it's, the, I am. it's a guttural thing. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> but um, but I never realized what it did to me, you know, neurologically, and did for my mood and my uh, hormones and all that kind of stuff. That really just made me a better person. Um, I mean, I can tell you now when I'm depressed or low. I, I very quickly can say I got to exercise. Like I just, I can tell yep. you, I haven't exercised in a couple of days, whether it's, you know, just getting outside and um, speed walking and uh, freestyle Power walking, walking. Power freestyle walking. walking. Yeah. Yeah. Freestyle yeah. walking is a good one. Or, you know, I jump on our, our exercise bike 
um, like I know that's the thing I need to do, but some days it's like, I'm tired. I'm not willing. I'm not interested or I'm too busy. And you have to like make that mindset shift to like, okay, what's more valuable. It's usually the harder stuff, right? Like the prayer, gosh, I would hate to repeat, you know, we don't have many prayers that are repeat that we repeat that many times like you did. So it must be kind of monotonous and boring at times, but the benefit from doing those hard things comes out to be more worthwhile and meaningful Absolutely. than Absolutely. not doing them. But yeah, mine's shallow compared to yours. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think mine's like further to fall, maybe, if you will. But uh, but the truth is, you know, when you, t- when you say about exercise, I got to say that, you know, everyone I'm sure can hear how fit I am as well. But but I was there was a time in high school where when I first went eh, late middle school, early high school, I went to this surf camp and I realized it was the first time I actually had to paddle like a long distance. And within like the first day to two days, my triceps were so sore, I could not lift my arms up, but I would not stop surfing. I just kept surfing and my arms were in horrible pain. Right. And so it's definitely the beginner's problem. And so when I came back from that first summer there, I said, well, I'm never going to let that happen again. And I just started going to the gym because I was, I didn't live by the beach. I lived in Philadelphia, you know, Jersey was far away. I didn't, I don't even know if I drove or had a car or what all those things. So I started working out and I worked out from, you know, like whatever it was for like years. And it, I mean, it was rough. I, and, and as soon as I got to Rhode Island to, to study at URI, that was it. And once I was able to surf like once a week, I never went back and I've never actually been a member of a gym ever since then. And I'm thankful. I gotta, I gotta tell you, I can feel your pain big time. You know what I had to do? I had to learn to, to sort of, I call it gamify my exercise. Oh, I, wonder this, I wonder if this could work with your prayer. So um, uh, gamify, like when I, when I first got into uh, rock climbing, climbing at a rock gym, it, sure. it was just like a video game. Cause you'd be standing there. It wasn't like constant reps of lifting, putting down yep. uh, that kind of thing. It was like, you had to solve a, a problem to figure out where your arm went, where your leg went. Uh, you had, you know, you had, you can make progress in the different levels, the numbers at which they, and they also change the rocks pretty, you know, somewhat regularly. They try to like change up the routes. So it's not always the same thing. So you got that as well, which is nice. Yeah. Did did you never do it? You didn't do it that much. (laughs) You're like, Oh wow. They do that. They change it up. They changed up the handholds. Yeah. They change up the handholds every uh, who knows now and again, so that it's like, it gets a little change up. No, for sure. It's definitely much less monotonous. I, I'm big. I was, I definitely climbed for a good deal of time, especially when I was in uh when I was in New York city. Definitely love it. Yeah. And the other way I do it now is, is on our, our Peloton exercise bike. There's just constantly like, um, you know, you can, you can keep track of your, you know, your ranks and your days in a row and you get awards. I mean, they make it sort of like a, like a game. Um, and we don't, I mean, right. a lot of the, a lot of what the level hard, did you get up to? Yeah, exactly. Or like how many days in a row or you can compete with people. Nice. Um, anyway, I just think it's interesting that, you know, applying some of our, you know, the things that excite us more applying those, quali- those, um, you know, those things to some things that are harder for us, more excruciating help kind of get them through. Sure. All right. I, I don't do know. I don't question? know if I can, well, I don't know. I'm just going to say, I'm not sure I can apply it to the prayer, but I'll see what I can do. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. Well, you can so, like, you can, the other thing, you know, I, I follow Tim Ferriss and he measures everything and uses it like, like charts to beat his own records, right? Like how long did you How fast play? can you get through and the prayer? Oh, the other way around. I was going the other way. Yeah, how fast how can you get through? 
And then, uh, but like, what was your heart rate at this time? Or how did you feel before? How did you feel afterwards? That kind of it's, stuff, like journaling, those kind of things always. That would be good. Yeah, that would be good. Easier, but I, I, I got one for you. You ready? Yeah. If you could only have hot water or soap, one or the other, which would it be? Hot water because cold soap doesn't do anything. It, look, that's it. You're done. That's it. That's that easy for you. It's a fact. That's not even a good discussion question. Cold oh, soap. Soap's man. made of fat. If you put fat in cold water, it doesn't. It doesn't dissolve. So, it doesn't emulsify. So just you're emulsify. just gonna hot. You're just gonna hot water yourself for the rest of your life. That's you're cool with that. Yeah. I mean, you, it, you didn't it, even it ask. You didn't even ask. Wait, do I get deodorant? Like you didn't ask anything just now. It's too hot, easy. Hot water is fine. Your bodily oils actually protect and cleanse you better than uh, daily soap does. I mean, look at third world countries where they don't have access to hot water or soap. They're not getting like skin diseases and rashes 100% of the time. They're fine. I'm just going to put it out there that I'm glad we're doing this via Zoom, but you know, because you would good to know, because <laughs> you might need it. I'm not sure which one it is. What's your hot water or soap? Where did that question even come from? This, so were- it's the truth is it was I, years ago. I was in uh, I was in the study hall and this kid who was like studying at the a student who was there turns to me and just asked me that question. And I was like, that's a serious question. He was like, come on, you got to decide. And for like ever, I mean, we're talking like six, 10 years ago, I'm still plagued by this question. What if it happens? What if it happens? <laughs> I have to choose soap or hot water. And the only thing that keeps me like, t- like I get a choice out and I basically end up in the same place as you do is I say, can you imagine what your dishes would be like with no hot water whatsoever? Like you ever do the cold water wash? You ever do a cold water wash with your dishes? It doesn't wash. That's what I'm telling it you. It doesn't wash. Yes. No, I'm with you. So I'm like, okay. I mean, I couldn't live with those dishes. So I'm going to go with hot water, but it's, it's not an easy choice. It's definitely not an easy choice for me. No, no, that was a, that was a deep one. I feel like I need to recover. <laughs> Listen, okay. it can't all be deep. Here we go. What's one leadership lesson or quote that has helped you immensely and stuck with you? Yeah, I've, I've talked about it before, but I'm going to go to it again. Um, one of my teachers said, uh, it was actually said to him as a toast when he was leaving his first position. And he said, um, you've got to make enemies. If you make no enemies, then you've done nothing in the world. Mm. That's it. And I, and I try to make as many enemies as possible. No, I actually, I feel that whenever I get into those positions where like my sort of instinct, my gut instinct, when I sort of offend people or have a hard time or brush up against someone is to sort of retreat. So, sort of like to cower on the ground and cry when I get in a fight, kind of that thing. <laughs> that's kind of my MO. And so if that's, I, I push through and I say, no, sometimes you have to it's either stand up for yourself or stand up for the issue, the people who need help, whatever it is, I try to push through and say, it's okay to have enemies. That, that's what I usually take with me. Mm-hmm. You? What, what do you, what's yours? Um, has something to do with people. I think it's a Maya Angelou quote, but, um, but I learned it before I heard the quote was uh, people uh, won't always remember what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Mm. And so I think about that in leadership because there's often, you know, we often have goals um, that we aren't considerate of the, the emotional expense on other people or how we reacted if we didn't get what we wanted in a meeting or that kind of thing. And so focused on, you know, the goal being broader and the, but the primary concern is how did people feel about how we got there? 
You know what I mean? And I think in a lot of ways it's, it's come through failures of, you know, I see something that is going to be worthwhile before anybody else does. And I can uh, very quickly make an executive decision about how to get there. But then when I bring in my team of people, it's often done in a way that, that shuts conversation down and other people's opinions aren't considered. And um, I don't think my way is right. I would love for people to argue with me, but just the way I propose it is often in a way that's not, you know, not invitational to contribution or question. And so it's, it's more, okay, I've got, I, I'm wondering, you know, I know what we need to do, but I'm not telling people because I'm more interested in doing it together than I am getting there faster, right? Mm. Like, would you rather be together or get, get to your goal alone? I think it's, you know, a leader needs to value being getting there together if it's the right people um, and they value people. No, that's good. I, I, that's definitely a good point. Um, and it reminds me actually when I was in, when, when, when I was doing the orientation program in, uh, in, at the university of Rhode Island years ago, um, one of the people that I learned the most from, I don't know if you knew Kelly Watts, but she was one of the orientation leaders. We ended up working as like uh, co-directors and she couldn't have been more a different, uh, leadership style than me, like almost like diametrically opposed. I would like run out onto the quad, probably slide on my stomach, scream the fight song, and just like have to, you know, after the two days pass out for like four days because I was so exhausted. And she was like this quiet, reserved, and, and I, I would watch her and I would go, oh my God. And people, I think I would watch people sort of walk away from an experience with her and just, they were glowing. I just felt like, oh my God, they felt so valued where I'd be like, did you register for your classes yet? Are you finished? And like, they'd be like, ah, why are you always yelling? And she was just this amazing uh, way to sort of relate to people on a totally different level. And I always thought that was amazing. Cool. All right. It's at a time when we need to Wrap up with a speed round. I've got three speed round questions. Okay. Simple, straightforward answers. Uh, first speed round question. There's three of them. Ready? Ready. Number one, fill in the blank. Faith is? Uh, overwhelming. Mm, I'd say uh, difficult. Nice. Okay. We're on uh, the same page there. Number two, uh, one album I cannot live without. Guster under the no, I forget the name of the title. Key, uh, I'll, I'll find out. But Lost one of the Guster Gone Forever. Yes, Lost thank you. Lost and Gone Forever. There we go. It's a great one. Mine's uh, Jimmy Eat World's Bleed American. Nice. All right, last speed round question. The most unbelievable to go along with the title of our show or of our podcast. <laughs> the most unbelievable thing you've seen recently. The most unbelievable thing I've seen recently. Uh, my daughter doing math. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, I, I think I'm also laughing because uh, it's stalling so that I could think of an answer for this. I thought you were going to say, cause it's true. It is true. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it is remarkable. I mean, when my seven-year-old does, you know, multiplication, I'm like, that is crazy. I didn't even... <laughs> You know, and it takes her quicker. She she comes up with the answer much quicker than I do, anyways. Sure. Uh, okay. Most unbelievable I think I've seen recently. Uh, oh gosh. I think it's got to be. Oh, I still don't know. 
Oh, oh no. we we watched Ozark, uh, the season finale of of uh, season three of Ozark last night, and All right. what happened? Brainless, is unbelievable. <laughs> totally sideswipes you, but it makes total sense. Oh, and so you, you, the writing. I guess. I mean, it, yeah. Just yeah. the episode. Yeah. But Ozark, great show to watch. It's it's pretty. It's a similar genre to Breaking Bad, and uh, man, it's just gripping. I can't wait for season four. I keep trying to like, oh, should I get into it? Should I should I not get into it? I don't know. I I can't decide. I'm just I'm not good at this. Wait till the kids are in bed. We're doing math. All right, time's up. The all question right. jar show number one is in the bag. Maybe we'll make this a regular feature. Maybe we will just not, never air this episode. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see. Whatever you do, if we do air it, let us know in the in the comment section. You know, what, did you like it? Did you subscribe? Did you, I don't know, give it five stars on Apple something? I don't know. Whatever happens. Just let us know. All right. If you have questions, too, for the next question to our show, we'd love to take more. Thanks for listening, everybody. Keep looking up. Hey, Amen. Good to see you, as always. Always, man. Talk to you later, guys. Later.